0: Hi everyone. My name is Mark Graham and welcome to Skewcast, the podcast that explores the who, what, why, and how of the promotional products industry. Skewcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. Skewcast is the official podcast of Common Skew. If you like what you hear, make sure to keep in touch by subscribing to the show on iTunes or at our blog, community.com and skew.com. And with that, let's get to it. Today's episode is part of our SkewCon Chicago Speaker Series. This is where we track down our speakers who will be joining us at SkewCon in Chicago on July 12th. In these discussions, we'll get a sneak peek of what they'll be talking about and why their teachings are particularly important to staying ahead in the promotional products industry. Our guest today is none other than Bill Petrie. Bill is the founder and CEO of Brandivate. Brandivate offers executive team outsourcing services to distributors and suppliers in the promotional products industry. After 15 years in the industry, Bill brings a wealth of experience to coaching sales teams, creating successful marketing campaigns, executing recruiting strategies, and creating and delivering RFP responses. And those of you who tune into the Common SKU news feed regularly will know that he has a wealth of knowledge about beer, especially on Friday afternoons. Bill, it's awesome to have you part of SKUCon Chicago, my friend.
1: I am thrilled. Thank you, Mark. And yes, every Friday at around four o'clock Eastern time, I have been known to crack an adult malted beverage and put a little bit of a review on it on the Comments View social page. So love doing it.
0: Well, it is something that I look forward to. And it's actually too bad that right now it's 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Friday that we're actually having this conversation. So, uh, you know, next time we should arrange for it at four o'clock.
1: We, we most certainly should, but I, I'm excited about the beer I'm going to try have today. It's, it's some, it's a beer from Iceland. I've never had a beer from Iceland before, so. Oh,
0: wow, wow. Me too, me too. Well, why don't we jump right into it? Um, Bill, so your workshop at SKUCon is called Imaginative Selling, Bringing Humanity Back to Create Your Advantage. Do you want to give us an overview of what you'll be talking about on July 12th at Skewcon in Chicago?
1: Uh, absolutely. You know, I think most people in, in, both in our industry and out of our industry have gone through sales training. And, and those sales training always emphasize very similar behaviors. Um, it's the, uh, you know, the old Brian Tracy of a feel, felt, found. You know, Mr. Prospect, I understand how you feel. Many of my prospects felt the same way. But what they found out was by working with me, everything was fantastic or awesome. And, we all, all become, or many sales become kind of automatons. We just kind of regurgitate some facts about the products and we expect people to buy. And we've forgotten that at the end of all of this, a sales transaction happens between two human beings. And we've kind of allowed ourselves to take our own personality, our own creativity out of it. So the session that I'm, I'm really thrilled to be uh, presenting at Sucon Chicago is how we can bring that personal touch back into the sales part of our industry to go beyond that traditional sales training model and leverage the single biggest differentiator every one of us has, and that's personality, and how doing so can positively impact your clients and your sales. So I'm real excited about this one.
0: You know, Bill, it's it's so interesting that we live in this age of social media and technology, efficiency, scale, online websites, and we all know those are here to stay. But it's interesting that when you talk about personality selling or relationship selling, some people might accuse you of being old school. And that not necessarily being with the times, but I know you and you are incredibly forward thinking. So how do you marry, uh, the, the, this relationship personality driven sales process in 2016 with this hyper efficiency that we see with technology? How do you bring the two together? Well,
1: I think, yeah, I, I see them both going hand in hand. Yeah. You know, the old, the old adage is what people buy from people they know, like, and trust. And yeah. I think as technology has permeated uh, our industry as well as many others, people think, well, that doesn't apply anymore. And I would actually argue it applies more, but I would just change the saying. It's people buy from people and companies and brands they know, like, and trust.
0: Yeah.
1: People still want to know who they're buying from. Let's take Amazon, for example. I don't interact with a human being on Amazon when I buy something, and I feel like I buy something from them just about every single day. But I like them, I trust them, and I feel like I know them. So even though there's not a a physical relationship there, I do feel a relationship to Amazon where if something went wrong, that was out of my expectations based on the perceptions I have of the company and the experiences I've already had, if something went really south or sideways, I would be disappointed almost at the same level I would be if a human being uh, disappointed me. So those those relationships absolutely matter. It's just we have to construct them in different ways. It's not about knocking on 30 doors a day And and, in showing up like that, it's about showing up in different ways and injecting your own unique perspective so people really understand where you're coming from and how you can help them.
0: Yeah, that's that's a phenomenal answer. Um, Moving on to another question here, Bill. So Seth Godin, in his keynote speech at the PPAI Expo this past January, said that we should avoid RFPs altogether as they represent a race to the bottom. RFPs, as you know, are still a big part of our industry, and they also represent a big part of your business, too, at Brandivate. How do you mm-hmm. advise your clients to respond to them, given that, in many cases, they do represent a race to the bottom?
1: Get on your Pumas and run as fast as you can the opposite direction. <laughs> now, um, it, it, in a macro sense, Seth is absolutely right. We've all been part of an RFP process where we know the outcome is predetermined, or the stack is uh, stacked against you. Because all that RFP is trying to do is completely level the playing field so that they can only decide on one factor, and that usually is price. What I advise my clients to do is if they don't have a relationship, if if it's a blind RFP, absolutely run the other direction. There is no sense in burning any calories or investing any time answering that. It's yep. just not. Yeah. However, however, if you have a relationship with the company, let's say you're doing some dropship business with the company, you may be asked to participate in an RFP, and declining that would put your dropship business at risk. Yeah. So in that sense, you would need to burn uh, you know, some calories and, and, and answer that RFP. Maybe you have inside information that uh, clients going uh, going to RFP for the first time in maybe six years because. They're in the process of getting out of a relationship with their previous distributor. It may make sense for someone at that point to answer an RFP. But I think if you don't have a relationship, if you don't have inside information, if you don't have business to protect, that's just a party. I'm not attending. I don't care if I've been invited or not.
0: And
1: I have have become, unfortunately, very skilled in in saying no politely. Um, But it's something that needs to be done.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, and at the end of the day, I also think it takes confidence and maturity as a salesperson or even an owner of a distributorship that when a a one to two or even greater um, than that uh, RFP is put in front of your desk to be able to really look at it and say, is this the kind of business I want? So I, I love your answer. And I think that it was certainly, I think Seth was, was right on a, On a large scale, but I also think there's some components to it that you really need to take a look at and say, well, you know, this might make sense for me to respond to it, but I'm going to do it in a way that is strategic and is not, um, not a race to the bottom.
1: Well, and here's the thing too, right? You, you, I, there's a lot of people who will get an RFP, and and there's a, there's a lot of time, there's a sheer huge amount of work involved. Oh yeah, and. You know, like sometimes there's 60, 120 questions. And people who, a lot of people who answer those, they're busy. I'm busy answering. Look how much work I'm doing. And, and like you said, is it business you really want? Because a lot of people, uh, and, and you know this, will answer an RFP. They'll answer blind RFPs and they'll find that one little needle in the haystack and actually get the business. And then they realize, now what do I do? Because I don't even know if I can handle this. So it it just makes sense to really evaluate, is it worth your time?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Bill. What three traits does the successful modern salesperson possess today?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, The first word that comes to mind is empathy. Hmm. Uh, we, We... really are in an era where things move very, very fast. And when you can truly kind of slow down, work with a prospect or a client on and really understand their issues, not just sympathize with them, but really kind of put your feet in their shoes and, and understand why something's painful. Not just that it's painful. We can all recognize that a client's pain is real. But if we can move on to why is it painful, then you can really uh, come up with some creative strategies to alleviate that pain. And that's kind of the business we're in, is alleviating those, alleviating those marketing
0: pains. So yeah. That's
1: the number one. Yep. Number two, and this is one I'm actually working on for this session, is being comfortable challenging the decision maker. Hmm. From the from the day we get into sales, we are taught what? Customers always right. Yep. But you know what? They're not always right, and many times they're wrong. And we need to learn to challenge our prospects and clients in a respectful way. It's not about you saying you're wrong and I'm smarter than you. You No one needs to walk in like Don Draper and, and suggest that, but to really challenge them on their thinking. If they've ordered the same product for the same trade show five years in a row, I think it's uh, a salesperson in our industry's responsibility to challenge that and say, "Why are you doing that? What success level are you having with that?" And maybe there's a different vehicle for that message because your target audience may have evolved over those five years. Right. So I think you have to you have to feel comfortable and comfortable in your own skin to challenge the decision maker. Yep. Um, and I think the last one, and, and this one's hard for all of us as salespeople, is kind of getting comfortable with silence.
0: Hmm.
1: We, are, we are all really good at talking to uh, our prospects and clients, but not letting them have enough time to process information. And by asking questions and allowing that uncomfortable three or four seconds of silence that feels like 45 seconds, but allowing that to marinate and allow the person who you're speaking with have time to process that information before you jump to the next point or try to answer it for them. I think that's a hugely uh, a huge thing a successful salesperson needs is that ability to uh, you know be comfortable with silence. So yeah. it's again just treating it's. I always look at it as having a conversation with someone. I I I'm not trying to sell to them. I'm just trying to understand what's going on. Yeah. Understand their business. Maybe I can help, maybe I'm not. Again, we have to treat people like a human being, not a prospect or a potential sale, and we get caught up in doing that.
0: Right. That's a great answer. You know, maybe maybe the next uh, podcast we do, Bill, should just be silence.
1: (laughs) No, that may not be a bad idea. You just let it, let things marinate, you just say, okay? It's almost like a Deepak Chopra thing.
0: Just yeah. Like to breathe and... <laughs> exactly. I think sometimes I could probably use that, uh, you know, on my walk to work. Just silence. <laughs> 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 Anyways, I, I, I've got one more question for you, Bill. I, d- I certainly sure. don't want to ask too many questions here because I uh, know that you'll be uh, delivering a great performance in your workshop at SkewCon. So price still dominates the discussion with many distributors today. What's your advice to salespeople who are looking to shift the conversation away from price?
1: That's a a good question. Um, Sometimes I wonder if price dominates the discussion because of the distributor. Uh, Some of the people uh, I know, you know, they're so concerned about price, they, they, they dominate that. I think most salespeople view money as this rare and precious thing to be hoarded and, and probably even feared. Right. Um, and in sales situations, unfortunately, that generally manifests itself as really as as, as uncom- being uncomfortable discussing price, whether it's large or small numbers. I think salespeople need to really look at money as a measure of value and not a measure of payment. So if, if I'm in a selling situation and I'm looking at money as, as a measure of payment, I'm worried about how the client's going to react to price. Absolutely. And I'm worried about when they bring up price, how I'm going to react to it. But if I view it as a measure of value, which is really what money is, it's a measure of value. You can, you can change the conversation talk about, well, I don't charge you for my idea generation. That's wrapped up into the, the product. Uh, what about the packaging? What about the delivery? What about the things you don't see? When things go wrong, what happens? Because in our industry, as shocking as it may seem, things do go wrong. And so what happens when things go wrong? What does that customer experience look like? There's a lot of value built into a, a you know, $8 speaker. A Bluetooth speaker or whatever the product is and so if a customer is challenging you on price, you haven't built up enough value into it, hmm. period. So I always believe that price is always going to be an issue. It's always an issue but it's almost never the issue.
0: Right. Right. And I think the most successful salespeople are the ones that are able to honor price, recognize that it is in the room. At the end of the day, companies are ruled by budgets and, um, they're certainly not unlimited, but to push it down in terms of the list of priorities or the things that are going to drive the purchase decision. So I, I love that answer and it's, it's so succinct and so well put. And, and Bill, with that, I want to thank you so much for taking a little bit of time with us here today. Uh, I can't wait to see you in Chicago. I know that uh, Chicago is a town you know very well, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to share some beer tips with us as well at Skewcon.
1: We may have to make a side trip to Goose Island, a great brewery up there in Chicago. Uh,
0: uh, absolutely, and I think Lagunitas has a brewery there as well, um, uh, or an outpost in they Chicago. Do. Um, they do. But with that, what I want to say is uh, a quick shout out to you, Bill. And for those that are interested in learning more about Bill, if they don't know of his great work. He has what I would define as one of the very top industry blogs at brandevatemarketing.com And then of course, Skewcon Chicago will be held at the beautiful Virgin Hotel on July the 12th, one day before the ASI Chicago show. And you can learn more about it at commonskew.com so thanks so much this was so fun thanks so much for tuning into this episode of skewcast be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to skewcast on itunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com until next time friends thanks so much for listening